Well, good evening, everyone. And uh, thank you, Kiki and Polly, for reading to us. It was a complete coincidence that they were invited separately to come and give a reading this evening. But did you notice that they were dressed exactly the same? Hats, stripes, black topped jeans, docks. That is the new look. Come on. I didn't get that email. Uh, looking around, most of you didn't, but that's the look. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, before we tuck into our theme this evening, let's pray. Lord, you know how we feel when this whole subject of giving comes up, and you know, Lord, how some will be feeling excited and enthusiastic, but most not. And we just ask, Lord, that we will understand something of your heart for giving and uh, what a joy that it ought to give us, the prospect of it. Thank you, Lord. Send your spirit upon us, we pray. Amen. Well, good evening, everyone. For those who are visitors here or just arrived and haven't met me, my name's Simon. I'm one of the ministers. And... Uh, they pulled me out to talk on Gift Sunday. What a privilege that is. I'm struggling to get my watch off here. It's caught. I confess that I get rather embarrassed whenever I am talking about money or other people are talking about money. And uh, I don't know how it is growing up now. I suspect it's still the same. But when I grew up in uh, my home, we just never spoke about money. I never knew what my parents earned. I never known how much money they've got and what I am going to inherit. It was just seen as bad form to talk about money. I think it still is. There was a survey by fool.co.uk and they asked 1,500 adults about money and 66% said that it's a personal subject and should be kept private. And then another 30% on top of that said, it's simply rude. It's simply not on to talk about money. The only time I think it seems okay to talk about it is if you're talking about other people's. But here's the thing. The Bible is always talking about money. Unembarrassed, unashamed, often presenting it as the Mark your use of money for how you're doing spiritually and morally. The word group give, gifts, and giver occur over 1,500 times in the Bible. It's almost like a kind of water frank on, your, on each page of the Bible as you flick through money and materialism and stuff. It just keeps coming up. It's not just a practical issue. It is a theological one. It is a spiritual one. And Jesus talked about money all the time. He talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell put together. 30% of all the parables are about the use of money. One in seven verses in the Gospel of Luke is about money. The use of money is the number one moral issue in the Bible. I think it's the number one test of our spirituality. So I've got a number of things I want to just tease open this evening so that we can look at this theme of giving 
in the round. Firstly, why do we give? Why? Well, it begins with God. And we give because God is the great giver. There's a classic definition of the Trinity by St. Augustine, who describes the Trinity, the three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in eternal loving relationship. And he defines God, the Trinity, like this. God is self-giving love. Self-giving love. At the heart of who God is and of how God is, there is giving that flows from love. And it's mutual and it's reciprocal and they just share this love. And there's so much love building up that it overflows into creation. That's why we give, first and foremost, because God is a giving God. He is the God of the open hand, not the God of a clenched fist. Sometimes we we can inculcate such a wrong view of God and we think that he's ready to get us if we put a word or a thought or a step out of line. But he's the God of the open. And not open to slap us, but open to bless us. I really enjoyed it in the worship, watching Colleen uh, sign in worship. I was focused on the Lord, of course, but I felt the Lord was giving me a bit of an illustration. And there she was worshiping, and she is a signer. So even as she was not able to sing out loud, but sing under her breath, behind her mask, and with an open heart towards God, she was using her hands. It was absolutely brilliant. But when it comes to Jesus, some of you all know this. You know how you sign the name Jesus? You do this. You point to the wounds in Christ's hand. That's Jesus in sign language. And that's what she was doing. Whenever we sang the name Jesus, yes. He's the God of the open hand. The hand that held itself open at the cross to bless the world. The psalmist says, you open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living it's the God of the open hand. We give because he gives. We're made in his image. St. James says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. He is a gift-giving God. He's the God of the open hand. Many years ago, about decades ago, <laughs> when I was a curate, I misquoted John 3.16 in a sermon. I was up north in Bradford, a young priest, and I said, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and so on. And afterwards, this dear elderly lady came up with her kind of zimmer, or she, I think she had, used to use two um, walking sticks, and she came up to me. I thought she was going to beat me with them. She was incensed. She was sort of incandescent. How dare I misquote scripture? It's bad enough using the NIV, I think, but for her, because she's a King James type. But the fact was I said, God so loved the world that he sent. And she held a stick. She said, no, he did not send. He gave. He gave. She was absolutely right. I had the degrees in theology. She had the, the right theology. He gave. Didn't just send. 
It was a giving of his heart, an opening of his hand. We give because he gives. We give because he's a gift-giving God. We give because it's in the nature of nature to give. It's in nature's nature to give. Nature is wired like its creator. It tells us something about it, and it is wired to give. Just as God is the giver, so all that he creates reflects something of that. The Oxford scientist, Professor Dieter Helm, read a few things by him. He's an extraordinary man. And he said this, nature gives us everything free. What a wonderful thing. Nature gives us everything free. And creation is intricately weaved together in such a way with its eight ecosystems that they're all giving. They're kind of giving out in love, reflecting almost something of that action of the Trinity. It's a giving planet. And not just giving to sustain life, but to beautify it too. Plants give us oxygen to sustain animal life, and animals breathe out carbon dioxide to sustain plant life. It's just this mutual, reciprocal, self-giving way of being. Nature is a giver. Tragic thing is that humankind, as we know all too well in our day and age, has just been on the take for too long. And we take without putting back. Take, take, take. We're on the take. We're on the make. And the whole of creation is groaning. God is a giver. It's in the nature of nature to give. God's made it that way. Thirdly, we give because God is worthy of our worship. We don't just give out out of obedience or pragmatically because there are needs. First and foremost, our giving is an act of devotion. It's a giving back to the God is given to us. It's a blessing Him. It's an honoring Him. Giving is worship. Paul says that money that he had received to facilitate his mission and ministry to the Philippians, he says in Philippians 4.18, was a fragrant offering and an acceptable sacrifice that pleased God. Their giving for his ministry was regarded as a sacrificial offering, a burnt offering, metaphor from the Old Testament, that went up before God and pleased God. Giving, not just pragmatic, not just to keep the show on the road. It's not even about the mission. First and foremost, it's about worship. And how do we worship God? We worship him with our wallets. The angel told Cornelius that his arms, not his arms, but his alms, were a memorial to God. It's an amazing thing that when God sent Peter to Cornelius, the first Gentile to get converted, he tells him that God has said, that he's seen you giving alms to the poor. You've been, you've been helping out the poor. And God reckons that act of you to the poor as an act of you worshipping me. And then God responds by sending the apostle. Extraordinary story, but extraordinary basis of mission and revelation and the miraculous. It was all in the context of worship being offered up. Here's the thing. Putting your hand in air may 
indicate that you're a worshiper. But putting your hand in your wallet really does indicate that. And then we give to break the power of stuff. We give. You know, Jesus says you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and the power of things. You cannot serve God and money and wealth and all that it'll bring you. It's an either or. God must come first. And we worship and we give money as worship because it, of God because it breaks the power of worship of stuff. And our society, if you don't worship God, you'll worship something. And in our society, people worship mammon. They worship materialism. And actually, they're worshiping the spirit behind that. So I think that giving is warfare. That as we give, we break the power of that spirit of mammon and of materialism that is so powerful and worms into our lives. Giving says we will not be owned by what we own. I'm not going to be owned by what I own. My life's not predicated on that. It's not turning around on the basis of stuff. I've got a higher life. I live for him. Richard Foster wrote a great book, Money, Sex, Power. And he said this, behind money are invisible spiritual powers that are seductive and deceptive. Powers that demand an all-embracing devotion. Just the very act of letting go of your money does something within us. It destroys a demon of greed. That's a bit heavy, isn't it? I know, we'll lighten up in a bit. But listen. Our society just kind of is oiled by mammon. And it can control us. Uh, all our thinking, just determining our life and our mind and how we use our time and just looking at glossy magazines, looking in shop windows, wanting to acquire. And it just kind of roots us in the here and now and it roots us in, in just human things. And if we worship God, we give to break the power of that. And then we give to someone as an act of showing our love for them. Worship actually comes from an old Anglo-Saxon word, worthskype, and it means to show value. You know, when I got engaged to my wife, Tiffany, um, I don't know, 34 years, I, I do know, darling, I just can't work it out online, about 33 years ago, years now, <laughs> decades, 33 years ago, uh, or ish. And, um, <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble now. What was I going to say? Um, anyway, I went out to buy her an engagement ring and I emptied my bank account. Do you know how much I had? I didn't have much. It was in the 80s. I had 300 quid to my name. So I took it all out. And I just went, <laughs> they want that much more like that. And I just went into the jewelers and I said, I got 300 quid, sell me a ring. I'm a sucker. These days I'd have bartered and I'd got it half price. But I just, and so they sold me one. Yes, sir, here's one. 299 quid. I said, I love it. And, um, you know, I went out with a quid and everything I had was spent on the ring. Why? Because it's the love of my life. She gets it all. She gets it all. 
because I love her. And, you know, over the years, I've, I've looked at that little in, engagement ring and I thought, you know, when I felt a bit flush, which is rarely, I thought, babe, I should just treat you and let's get a bigger ring. But I know that I'm just wanting, so that looks like I'm more generous. But she said, I don't want another ring. This is the most precious ring because this cost everything you've got. All 300 or 299 quid or whatever. And, that, and, and giving shows the other what they're worth. You know, what they're, you know how valuable they are to you by what you're prepared to give for them. Again, when I was a minister somewhere else years ago, I was on a very poor inner city urban council estate. Uh, I mean, poorest of the poor, we, we, we used to get sent free meat from the meat mountain. And, they'd, uh, and, and we would, as a church, distribute cans of corned beef to the poor and feed them three days a week. It, it's a wonderful thing. But they were poor people. I learned the smell of poverty in Bradford Council Estate. And uh, we were twinned with a really rich church, the wealthiest church in the poshest town in Yorkshire. And they would occasionally send us over stuff. Then we'd go and pick it up, and we'd bring it back, we'd open the boxes. And I remember opening one box one day, and in it was a kid's guitar like that. It only had, I think, one or two strings, and the neck had been snapped. So it was the back of the guitar, a few strings, and then holding the machine head. It was just tat. It was rubbish. The dustbin men probably didn't want to take it. And so they put it in a cardboard box and sent it to St. John's Thorpe Edge. And as a young priest, I opened it up and I saw what they gave and I saw what they thought. What you give says something. It speaks. And it says, this is how much value I place on you. We were, we were worth their rubbish, their refuse. What, what do we give God? How much time? How much of our gifts? How much of our, it's not just about money. It's, it's not about, it's about our heart. But our giving shows our heart. Well, that's some reasons why we give. Where, where do we give? Where do we actually locate that and invest that? Well, I want to say, and I'm underlining my earlier point, we're giving to God. First and foremost, we're giving to him. We're looking for ways to give to him. That's always got to be our understanding. We're not just responding to appeals or needs or balancing the books in the church or, or whatever. We're giving to God. In the gospel reading, it was quite strong stuff, wasn't it? Even as they were reading, I was thinking, oh, Maybe I should have picked a different reading. And this wealthy businessman, he was good at it. And he'd made a lot of money. And he'd built these big barns and better barns. And he'd filled them up. And he'd put aside his asset. And he was flush. And he said, 
I can now chill on the dill. I can just take it easy. I'm going to sit back and kick back and live it large because I have made it. And <clears throat> what does God say? He says, you're an idiot. He says, this very night, your life's been taken. I'm coming for you. Why, he says. And then Jesus says, yes. And I tell you, this is how it will be with everyone who is not rich towards God. That verse has been worrying me all week. It's just been in the back of my head. I've been thinking about it. How am I rich towards God? We, we're not to live in fear. We're to respond to his love. But there is an accounting. God isn't an accountant, but he does look and he says, really? Is that what matters to you? Who are, we, who are we worshiping? Who are we serving? Who are we living for? Who are we giving for? Is it all about us? And God says, you were not rich to me. That's the verse I want to underline for you this evening, saints. Be rich towards God. Towards God. We give to God. We, and then we give to the poor. We've got to remember the poor. Listen, poverty is not a virtue. Sometimes in the church they've made it a virtue in an attempt to break the power of mammon. And I understand that, but I think it's not quite right. But poverty itself is not a virtue, it's a curse. And why do I say that? Because no one's poor in heaven. And in the early church we read, there were no needy persons among them. Why? Because anyone who was flush who had a spare bit of land, when there was a need, flogged it and went and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet and said, here, give it away. Give it away to those who haven't got anything. So it's clear that it wasn't a matter, well, inequality is just a matter of the ordering of society and so on. No, inequality was somehow iniquity in the early church. And people gave. It wasn't communism. They were free to give. But they gave out of love because they loved God and they loved their neighbor and they wanted to help them out. So when we think about our giving, who we give to, how we give, where we give, we've got to be thinking, are the poor in any way benefiting from this? We're not just making a bigger and better barn for us. Christians don't just hurl words at people. They care practically. It was a really important series that we as a church have done this summer, and uh, we, we hope to build on it by Dr. Frank Curry called Living Simply, and uh, the videos are online, just helping reorientate our thinking. Am I all about myself? Am I all about a bigger, better barn? Or am I being rich to God? And if I'm rich to God, I've got to be caring for the poor. You know, for almost four years, the great revivalist, John Wesley, he ate a diet just of potatoes. And he sold countless books. He was like the most published person of his era. And um, he said this, What I save from my own meat will feed another that otherwise wouldn't have anything. I'm really challenged by that quote. I was a butcher before I was a priest. I love meat. I love it. Do you know what I mean? I'm, 
I don't mind a bit of veggie on the side, but it's got to be meat. And uh, there, look, what I save from not having meat is going to feed someone else who hasn't got anything. That's righteousness. That's a man of God. Why, why, why did God so powerfully use him? Because he loved God and he lived for God. And part of that was seen in his, the use of his m money. And he had a lot of it from his book sales. He said something like, you know, earn all you can and save all you can and give away all you can. He didn't actually say it, but it's credited to him, something like that. You know, I've got a friend, I've said this before, he's called David Ruiz, and he's got tattoos. One says Mishpat, and the other says Tzedek, justice and mercy in Hebrew. And uh, he's a songwriter. He wrote the, some wonderful songs, you'd know them, but some of the older songs, let your glory fall in this place and let it go forth from here to the nations. You know that song? I will worship, and all of that. And uh, that song was the number one selling song for like two or three years in the Christian world after the Toronto blessing. And it earned him, get this, a million pounds. One song. There's money out there. A million pounds from a song. Mercy and justice. Mercy and justice. What did he do? He gave it all to the poor. He didn't tell me that. His road manager did. I said to him once, I know him from up front, but what's he like backstage? Gave it all to the I told that illustration at a conference once, and afterwards, uh, the following morning, a bloke came up to me, and he said, oh, you caused me trouble, but I'm grateful. I said, why? He said, well, I'm a businessman, and last year, he said, uh, you know, my bonus was a million pounds. And yesterday, you said you'd earned a million and given it away, he said. Uh, and I'd said in my talk, he didn't go and buy a portion, a new house. He gave it all to the poor. He said, I didn't sleep last night. He said, I went and bought a new house and a Porsche. He said, my wife beat me up at breakfast. He said, I've rung up the dealer and I've exchanged the Porsche for a Mini. And the check, the balance, brand new Porsche, brand new Mini, you know, 70, 80 grand difference, I don't know, whatever, goes to the poor. That's amazing, isn't it? We give to the poor, we give to God, we give to church. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel gave tithes and offerings to the temple and to the Levites. They were giving it for the facilitation of worship in the building. But of course, in their heart, it was an offering to God because it was God who was being lifted high and worshipped in that place. But the money went on materials the fabric of the temple, the facilitation of worship and the funding of the livelihood of the priests. It was an amazing sermon I'm giving this morning. I do encourage you to listen to it. I don't want to embarrass Mark, but seriously, the best thing I've ever heard on giving. Actually, it was all about Jesus. It was all about Jesus. And at the end of it, I wanted to give. But there, he said that Jesus' whole ministry was supported by wealthy women. His whole ministry died without a shirt on his back. Had nowhere to live. Had nothing to 
dependent on others and the odd miracle to make a meal for others. Paul's ministry, we read in Romans chapter 16, was supported by a woman called Phoebe, a wealthy businesswoman, who funded his mission. But the thing is, ministry and mission cost. Church doesn't run on thin air and prayer and hands in the air. It runs on money. To run a church and to perform its ministries, to offer up worship to God, to pay the utilities, to upkeep of the fabric, it costs money. You know that. And so we give in part to facilitate the ministry and the mission and the materials so that that ministry and mission can continue. I once spoke to a local coffee shop owner here in Oxford, and uh, I, I spoke. one day they looked rather upset and ruffled. I said, are you okay? They said, not really. I said, why not? They said, well, someone's been in here all through lunch for about two hours. They bought, uh, and, and uh, they just ordered one coffee. And at the end, I went up and I said, would you mind buying another coffee? So at least you can pay for the electricity that you've used. And they got up and stormed out without even paying for the first coffee that they'd had. They thought it was okay to sit there for two hours with their laptop working in the warmth, under the light, using the electricity, enjoying the space that someone else has paid for. That's bad form. That's just not right. But often we can be like that towards church, especially church like this where you think, gosh, they got money, look at all this sound and tech and staff and that. Saints, I don't want to put a heavy on you, I just want to, let's be, let's be real. Stuff costs, ministry costs, and do what you can. And then, just a few more minutes, what are we to give? This is the big question, this is a $60,000 question, or hopefully not that much. What do we give, how much? Well, Ernest Hemingway in The Old Man and the Sea said, now is no time to think of what you do not have. Think of what you can do with what there is. The prostitute gave a whole bottle of nard. That was a year's wages, poured out on the feet of Jesus. What a waste, what worship. And the little boy gave his whole packed lunch and that was multiplied to feed the crowds. And the widow, as we heard this morning, gave her mighty mites too leapt on, worth nothing, but so powerful in the terms of the kingdom. Now, I don't think asking how much is the right question. We're off on the wrong footing already. But in the Old Testament, they gave 10% and then worship, and then offerings and other acts of devotion. But 10% went straight up to the temple and to the running of the state, 10% of the tithes of their crops and their income. And I think that's a pretty good benchmark. It's not reiterated in the New Testament. But C.S. Lewis said in love, Jesus claims all. Solomon said the righteous give and don't hold back. I've never had much, so I've always held back. <laughs> and normally, Tiffany and I, when it comes to giving, normally I'm, the, I'm more modest and she'll push it a little bit. But this week, when it came to thinking about what we're giving, all I could think of was that verse, you're not being rich towards God. I thought, you're right. Happy to spoil myself, but I won't spoil on God. 
Let me just say this if you're a student here. Don't tithe your loan. That's debt. It's not income. But if you've got a part-time job, you can tithe that and give to God as much as you spend in the bar or in the cafe. Give what you can, not what you can't. And give responsibly. And give to a context where there is worship and where there is evangelism and where the poor are honored and looked after. Always apply that. We've got to apply that to our church all the time. Are we doing the right things? What are the right things? Worship. We worship God. We teach the word. We evangelize those outside the church. And we care for the poor. Wherever you are in, in, in the future, apply that template. Hold the church accountable. That's where you want to invest. And then lastly, what happens if we give? Well, we're not giving to get. There is a stream of Christianity that seems to be built on this. Give so that you'll get, you know. And I just think that's awful. God is not an ISA. He just ain't. But interestingly, God does say that we can test him in the area of giving. It's the only t- Throughout Scripture, we're told, don't you test God. Except when it comes to money, he says, test God. It's really interesting. At the end of Malachi, he says, test me in this. He says, listen, you bring in the full tithe, all 10%, they've been holding a bit back. You bring it in and you test me in this and see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that your barns won't be able to cope with it. The guy who kept it all for himself built his nice barns. The Lord said today, you're coming with me. <laughs> but in Malachi, he says, I will pour out so much that you will be able to cope with it. We give not to get. We give because we've received. We give because we worship the giving God. We give because he's the one who poured out his life unto death for us. We give to advance the kingdom. We give to alleviate suffering. We give to win people for Christ. We give to bless the poor and help them out but God honors those who honor him I believe it he honors those who honor him and you know I'll finish with this I was thinking about Bill Gates and there's all sorts of conspiracy theories about Bill Gates Mike, and all of that but you know he's the second richest man in the world he was the richest now he's dropped down the league I bet he's gutted but he's still worth 110 billion I mean, that's mind-blowing. But years ago, he said that he is going to work to give it all away. And actually, he set up all these charities and endeavors to gather the richest people in the world to give it away. And he's given away over 50 billion. Now, you, the cynic the, might say, yeah, I know, but he's still got another under a billion but yeah, he's given away 50 billion he's changed so many things with that I don't know whether you know that he's a deeply moral man he's not pushed on religious matters but he goes to church every Sunday morning with his wife and two children and he says he's brought them up Catholics, practicing Catholics very moral man and it's so 
amuses me because he doesn't even follow this stuff, I don't think, that verse. But he just, he just keeps giving away and it keeps coming back. I'm giving it. It's coming back. I want to give it all away. God says, you are someone I can trust. He's someone who can be trusted. And he can't outgive God. And the more he gives, the more he gains. I want to say, the Bible says, so we can go with it. Test God in this. Test God. And see if he doesn't respond and open heaven. Well, thanks for listening. Please stand. I've went on a bit longer than I expected. I wonder if we can bring up our gift day screen. We saw this earlier on, and um, this is uh, just uh, information on our website for how you can give if you believe that God is calling you to do so. Can I encourage you to just go on there, saintalldates.org.uk forward slash give, and uh, there you'll see how to give. In, in, normally, we encourage people to come and bring their gifts on successive Sundays, and we have people here with baskets, and we, was, we can't do that now. It's all got to be online. Can I just encourage you to talk to God about it and uh, see what he's got to say to you? You've heard what I've got to say. Hear what he's got to say. And then if you want to respond, please do. Uh, at some point this week, go online if you believe and feel that that's right. Let me pray and then we're going to worship. So Lord, we bless you. We thank you that you are the giving God. Lord, you know that for some of us here, this is really tough, Lord, and we hate this stuff and it just makes us squirm a bit. You know, Lord, that some of us just feel that we haven't got much. We resent at times those who've got so much more than us. We we struggle, Lord. We pray that you would do a work in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our wallets, Lord. Help us to be free. Help us to be free from the power of mammon and materialism and the worry about money. And Help us to trust in you. Lord, I pray for any here who are really going through it at the moment. Pray, Lord, that there be no sense of burden or pressure and I pray, Lord, that you would spoil them, that you would bless them. You're a loving Father. I pray, Lord, you help us to be a giving people, just like nature, whose nature is to give, just like you, Lord, who is the self-giving love. Amen.